0: Hello, and welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast, where we analyze, explore, and celebrate the creative journey. My name is Julie Bayfan Balzer, and I'm a working artist living outside of Boston. I've been hosting this podcast with my super special co-host and my mom, Eileen Balzer, since 2012. Hi, Mom.
1: Hello. How are you? I'm good. It's chilly I'm day. So I'm all bundled up.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you're very bundled up. I'm also wearing a sweatshirt. We're both wearing green. We're just so in sync at this very moment. Uh, So right now, I am in the midst of teaching a big class in 2024 called Practical Color for Painters. You know, if you want to study chemistry, you have to know, understand, and be able to use the periodic table. And so if you want to study art, you have to know, understand, and be able to use a color wheel. That's really the basics of it. The class goes way beyond that, right? So we're starting by mastering the color wheel, and we're progressing to creating your own personal palette of colors. There are six easy lessons, and you can join me for that. Uh, class in N2024 with a sophisticated understanding of how color works, how colors interact, and how to create the colors that you want. So you can join that class anytime in 2024 at bulgerdesigns.com. So today we're talking about something a lot less organized than that class. Uh, we're talking about something that's been a little bit haphazard and crazy for me, which is I have a small exhibit of art and artist books at Our local public library in the T. Ross Kelly gallery. Um, The name of the exhibit is constructed. And if you've ever wondered how an exhibit comes together, uh, I'm going to share some of the things that went into planning mine and then some thoughts I have on, I think, what make for a good exhibit. And I think mom and I can both talk to that having been uh, too many art exhibits in our lives. So uh, let's just, so I thought we would start by going over the timeline of sort of how everything happened. So uh, my mother, who is the president of my fan club, the president and the only member uh, of it's my
1: exclusive.
0: fan club. exclusive. <laughs> uh, she kept encouraging me to apply for an exhibit at the library. She's like, do it, do it, do it, do it. So I filled out, there's like paperwork you have to fill out, what's the theme of your exhibit, why would you, you have a good exhibit, like all that kind of stuff. So I filled it out. And I submitted it. I'm like maybe a day or two later I got a response back from the library and they said listen we're all full for 2024 but you know we'll start booking 2025 spots and you know I'll I'll reach out if there's space. And I was like wow a lot of people want exhibits at the library so I guess I'll wait in line. So literally a few days later I received an email from the guy who said like hey Uh, there's really short notice, but we've had a cancellation. So in that gallery space, there are two walls of like wire racks that are the wall space. And then there's a big display case. And when you submit for an exhibit, one of the things you have to say is whether you're going to use the display case and the walls or just the display case or just the walls. And then obviously they combine things together to make exhibits. So, uh, he said, there's been a cancellation in the display case, would you be interested? It's really short notice. It's basically two weeks from now. It was a little less than two weeks, I think, at the time. Maybe like 12 days or something. Um, and I said... And it was... Yes. And it was, you'd have to prepare over the Christmas holiday. Right. So, yes, this was right before Christmas. And so it was like basically right after New Year, loading in like January 2nd. So I was like, no problem, okay? But I asked myself three important questions that I really think at least the first question is something you should ask yourself constantly whenever an opportunity comes your way. Okay. What do I want out of the experience? This is a stupid, simple question, but it is so important. If somebody says to you, I mean, it can be anything in your dating life. Somebody says to you, do you want to go out for dinner? You have to think, what do I want out of the experience? Do I want a free dinner? Well, I better make sure they're paying. Do I want their company? Well, that would be a good reason to go with them. Do I want to date them? Well, is this a date or is it not? I mean, it's just, it's all those things. So I had to think, what do I want out of this experience? And um, what I decided, which really influenced a whole lot of stuff down the chain for me, is I I decided I would like more people to see my work and know who I am than I am currently reaching that that was my singular and only goal for the exhibit. It was not to sell work. It was not to become world famous. I'm not sure you could become world famous from an exhibit at your local library. Uh, But it it was just for people I don't know, strangers, to become acquainted with my work. And so then that sort of became the, well, it, 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 uh, this is one of those things where you'll have to trust me about what's to come in the story. So The second question I asked myself, which I think you should always do, is what will show well in the case specifically, right? Because, and I think you should ask yourself that if you're looking to hang art in your house, I think you should ask yourself that if you're looking to, you know, uh, if somebody wants to buy work from you for a specific place or anything like that. You're always thinking in the space that you have, what's the best thing for that space? And I think it's more important to fit the art to the space than the space to the art, uh, which is potentially sacrilege coming from an artist, but, uh, it's, it's, it's easier to change the parameters of the art, I think, sometimes than it is to change the parameters of the space. Maybe if I was an architect and I could build an entire building around an artwork, it would be different.
1: Maybe that's why people are always
0: looking for couch-size art. Well, I also think this is why people commission art because you love somebody's work, but they don't have anything that's exactly right for the space you're thinking of. It's not the right dimensions. It's not the right colors. So you want a piece of theirs, but you can't quite figure out how to make it work in your space. So that's why commissions can sometimes be, I think, a natural good thing when it's that kind of thing, as opposed to, uh, I like your art, but I want it to be different. And then there's all sorts of parameters put on it, which point you're like, well, I'm, I'm not actually, that's not my, why would you hire me to do that? Uh okay, so what will show well on the case? And what I decided is it's a case with it's a glass case with three shelves, it's sort of high off the ground and wide. so it's sort of eye-level to sort of maybe waist level-ish, maybe, maybe I don't know, a little depends how tall you are, I guess. Um, but I thought books, right? I've made tons of artist books in my life. I've made tons of art in books, and just books seem like a natural thing because it also very happily fit my third question that I asked myself which is what artwork do I already have made, done, finished? Because with two weeks, I wasn't going to make anything new, right? It's a very short <laughs> timeline to pull it together. Again, so- we must
1: mention over the Christmas to New Year holiday. Yes. Yes. And so we took a field trip to see the case Yeah, with a tape measure and take some photos so that we would know what you were dealing with. Exactly.
0: So I wanted to come up with a theme. I came up with this theme and the title. The title of the exhibit originally was supposed to be bindings, an exhibit of handmade artist books. Um, So I pulled all the books that I wanted to have for the exhibit. I wrote up exhibit labels. I also designed like pretty exhibit labels, you know, picked out the fonts and did the whole thing, wrote up all the content for them. Um, I decided to write about each of the types of bindings that I was using because that was the whole idea. Bindings, you know, so the books were defined by the bindings. I made videos of the books like in motion because, again, my goal was for more people to know about my work. And so, my my number one like call to action, so to speak, to use some buzz talk here, some marketing buzz talk, was to get people who went to the physical library to visit my website, feeling that from there they could potentially. Sign up for the newsletter, buy some art, follow me on social, like whatever it is, but that there could be a point of contact where I could engage with them again later, right? right so in order to do that i had to make there be content that was greater than was in the exhibit so i thought well these books are really static if i put a label that says hey see this book in motion or check out i'll do a flip through of the entirety of the inside of this book so you can see every page not just the page that's on display so I started making all those videos, just, you know, editing them, getting them posted and uploaded. I put together a web page. I collected some videos I had done of the books over the years and other places. I designed an exhibit announcement. I printed, I cut, and I folded all the exhibit labels, which are like were on little cards to stand up. I packed everything up to go. Uh, January 2nd comes. I go to the reference desk. I get the key. I'm sitting on the floor trying to figure out how the lock works. The guy who runs the gallery comes over and introduces himself. There's a whole lot of, hey, 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 nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. He says, by the way, this guy, and he points to the other side of the gallery, didn't uh, realize how big the gallery was. And he didn't have a lot of stuff. And sure enough, there are three photographs on six or seven panels uh, that are on the other side of the gallery. And he says, so I've talked to him. And if you'd like the other half of the gallery, you can have it. And there was a pause, which if you've met me or listened to this podcast, I don't pause. It's a rare thing for me to pause. Mom, can I attest to this? Yes. <laughs> um, and so he immediately said, you don't have to. And I said, no, 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 no. I've got more than enough work at home to fill the space. I just have was just trying to think about it. So we asked him a couple questions, like how uh, it was, things were hanging, and if there was any other information I needed to know. And I called mom and I said, "Bring a tape measure to the library." There's been a change in plans. So mom came, and I think I was. You were very excited. You were very much like, oh, the case looks great, blah, blah, blah. And I think I was a little deflated. And you were like, what is going on? And I was like, there's a there's a problem. And so we obviously reframed it as it's not a problem. It's an opportunity. And, it's exciting, and obviously it is. But I was immediately thinking of a bunch of questions. Like I've said before, I'm a list maker. And I really believe that one of the things about me as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur. Um, is that because I make lists, I keep myself on track. Because I make lists, I'm able to get stuff done. Because I make lists, I know that, like, I'm on top of what's happening. If The days that I don't make lists, I really feel lost and at sea. So we could, we could probably do an entire podcast about lists. But instead, I'm going to give you my list of questions. Okay, so, these so are the- just say we
1: had yeah. both planned that we were going to come mm-hmm. first thing in the morning. Put in the stuff you've already prepared. Yeah. Maybe move a couple
0: things back and forth to see how it looked in this case and then leave. Right. And then Steve had said, let's go out to like a celebratory breakfast. Come pick me up after you're done at the library, right? Because we were like, this will take half an hour, maybe 45 minutes if we're really dawdling and taking pictures. But now that wasn't happening. Okay. So four questions I asked myself. So the first question was can I make these two exhibits into one exhibit? What unites them? Meaning I had this whole idea about bindings, but now I have these six huge, or is it five? There were five huge, you know, walls to put this work on, these grid walls. And that was not going to be for books. Books were not going to show up well. Smaller was not going to be graphic and grab attention. The way that the library works is right behind the reference desk uh, where the sort of old library meets the new part of the library, the historical building versus like the new building. There's kind of a, it's like a sunken living room is the best way I can think to describe it. It's like you go down into it and that's the gallery. And so you see it immediately. When you're looking, and if it's and as a patron of this gallery, having viewed it many times with other people's work, when the work is small and you just sort of see little white papers, you don't really tend to want to go, right? So I wanted something really big, and I knew that books weren't going to cut it. So I was like, "What am I going to do? What am I going to do?" So we'll talk about what I chose to do in just a moment. So then the second question was back to the first question from the first time. So back back, which was what do I want out of the experience. Now, do I still just want, you know, people who haven't discovered me to discover me? And I was like, yes, that is still my goal. So, knowing that that is still my goal, I really have to find a way to use the large work to draw people in. So, we're talking bright, we're talking colorful, bold, graphic, all those things you can think to say. So, then the next question, and potentially the more difficult one, is what artwork do I have available? Because this is it. There's no making nothing. There's nothing happening. So what do I have that's available? So I immediately well, started thinking. What do you have
1: that's available that's the right size and shape? Yeah. Because these panels, these grid panels are a specific shape. And things have to be mounted on it in a specific mm-hmm. way. Because the library does not allow you to attach anything with anything. That is going to remain there after your art comes down.
0: Yeah. And like we talked to, I have a ton of work on paper that isn't framed because the way that I sell my work on paper is because I ship it is just matted right? Because A, frames, glass, it all breaks. It's a terrible nightmare. Shipping it is terrible. So it's so much easier just to sell them matted work. So I, I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to have to go out and buy frames? Or are we going to have to really like be scouring, you know, for the deals? Da, 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 da. Um, and then the last question, which is related to this is what do I need to do to make this happen? So we're back to lists. And we wrote a list. We sat in the library gallery and we wrote a list. What do we need to make this happen? And went through the long, long list, wrote it all down and said, okay, we're going to have to come back and do this. And so the process of making the exhibit happen over essentially, by the way, so, hilarious, so mom stayed with me this whole time uh, through the whole adventure of the full day. And at some point we were in my studio and I was doing something and she said, listen, you've done a lot in five and a half hours. And I was like, it's been five and a half hours because I was so on adrenaline and just going, I had no sense of time having passed. Um, but anyway, so the first thing was brainstorming the connection. And I think it was a, we had a conversation about something and you said the word constructed. And it wasn't necessarily directly about the artwork. You were talking about how, like, you are saying something about how, like, the books were constructed and da-da-da-da. And that word hit me in the face, and I really attached to it. And I wrote it down, and I was like, there's something about that word I really like. And I looked up the definition of it. And actually, I'll share this because, um, so if you are listening on to the podcast as a regular podcast listener, May, um, then I'm just going to read this to you. But if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, then you should be able to see this is the website that I put together. Uh, and the constructed definition is to put together substances or parts, especially systematically in order to make a build, meaning a building, a bridge, et cetera, Assemble to compose or frame mentally, meaning an argument or a sentence. And it was that first part about putting together substances or parts, especially systematically, that really made me stop and think because I do think of my work as being constructed. And so, yes, the books are obviously physically constructed. Flat paper becomes a 3D book, right? Flat boards become a 3D book. But also, The way that I can construct my abstract work is very much from an additive point of view. Let's add this and see how it happens. Let's add this to here. Let's add this to remove that. You know, there is a there is a real sense of building something together. So I thought this is not a lie this is true authentic and i actually don't have to like bend over backwards to intellectualize it to make it work it completely relates the two parts and it explains a lot to me in some ways about all the different kinds of art i like you know one of the things that i like uh, about so this this past carved december one of the things that i did is my carves all built towards a larger print right so 15 individual stamps Uh, fit together to create a larger uh, print, a larger eight and a half by 11 print and a larger five by seven print. And that is a kind of construction. That's the way my mind works is in this idea of parts coming together to create something else. And I thought, I I think I'm going to have to take this constructed idea further at a later time when I have a little more time to, like, digest it. But I do think it's really true for me. Um, So then you and I came back to my studio. We picked the art. We debated a couple pieces. We turned them all different ways. I had some pieces that I had not finished the edges and done that kind of stuff. I hadn't wired any of the art for hanging. And I remember partway through, and like my fingers were hurting from wiring and I was exhausted. I said to you, This is just a good reminder to me. People always say, Finish the job all the way. It means when you finish a painting, paint the edges, wire it for hanging, sign it, do the paperwork on it, and then you're really done with it. You know, take the photographs, do all of that stuff. And I often just like finish the work and I'm like, Okay. And it's just not, it's when you get into this pinch that you're like, oh, I wish that I had a better system. You know, it's kind of like I sold a small piece of art this week and I went, uh, I thought I knew where it was, but then it wasn't where I thought. So then I'm in the basement pulling through, you know, the bins of art I have done there. And then I'm looking, you know, in my closet, the other place that I, and I was like, why don't I have an actual system? Why don't I have an actual system? It's, oh, I think it's always in moments. That's what they say. You never change unless you hit a crisis. And certainly I think I need a better organizational system for myself. Anyway, we picked the art. We finished the art. Wired the art. Made new exhibit labels for all that art that matched the style, the fonts, and the, you know, everything else from the original exhibit labels that were for the books. I um, hung the art. Also,
1: you found that you had left in your printer a couple of labels for the books. And so we would have had to go back to your house anyway to get those labels.
0: Yeah. So three, we did two, three trips to the library that day. Um, Hung the art. I had to redo the webpage completely. I had to redo like the exhibit announcement, the graphics for it, like the whole thing that I had done. But whew, by the end of the day, it was done, it was up, and I'm really proud of it. I'm grateful for the opportunity, and it was such a good experience. And it it also just made me think, like, if I had more time to actually put together an exhibit, if I had more than, you know, two weeks or a day, what what are some of the things that I could do to plan ahead? Assuming that someday in my life, I'll actually have the time to do it and not just be on a rush schedule. Um, I mean, the good thing always about going fast is you don't have time to overthink. The bad news is that you sometimes miss things because you didn't really think about it. You know, um, I told Steve, uh, so my husband, Steve, is in college and he's currently taking a class over the winter break term that's online And he was taking a test and he said, I'm, you know, I'm just wrapping up the test. I'll, uh, and our son was crying. He said, so I can take care of him. Don't worry. I said, no, no, I'll get it. You double check your test, blah, blah, blah. And he came out a little bit later and he said, oh, I'm so mad that I double checked because I went back and I changed one of the answers. And it turns out I changed it to the wrong answer. So he said, I'm never double checking again. And I was like, okay, well, that was a bad, that was a bad example. But normally double checking is good. Um. Okay. So, I thought. Wait. Before I, I we launch into some thoughts on like a good exhibit, mom. Do you have any of your own experiences of that day of terror that you would like to share? No, I didn't think it was terror. Didn't you feel incredibly
1: creative while you were doing it? Didn't you feel the juices flowing?
0: No. Really? Did you? I felt uh, under pressure. Yes, and but, but that
1: aside, I mean, you you would feel under pressure if you were doing it over
0: over a month. I didn't. It did, to me, it it's, didn't feel creative. It, to me, it felt like a list of things that needed to get done. It just felt like it felt the same as finding out that, let's say, suddenly you know, twelve people are going to come to your house for dinner, and you've got to clean the house, plan the dinner, get everything ready. You know what I mean? Da- go da- da- da, all that stuff. My solution so. is,
1: A, don't clean the house. You clean after they leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. And secondly, you'd find most people didn't come for dinner because they expected uh, this gourmet meal. They came to see you. So relax. Well, if they expected a gourmet meal, they'd be disappointed. Well, you could always pick up the phone and call something. Um, I, I, feel, I felt it was creative because you had a problem. And he solved it. Mm. And that's where like you vanilla used ice. what you had at hand. Mm-hmm. And you came up with something that's wonderful. The I think the exhibit is great. And it's an opportunity for you because mm-hmm. you got to show some large artworks, which you wouldn't mm-hmm. have. And I thought you actually had the skill set. The wordsmithing of new labels, the changing of your website, the whole thing. You had the skills to make it happen. And I felt that was all very creative because when you pull together various skill sets that you have and you create something new that wasn't there before, you don't
0: feel creative when that happens. No, I don't. I mean, I guess the thing
1: is
0: (laughs) this is always this is strikes me a little bit as one of those things when somebody is lauded for, let's say somebody does something heroic, like save somebody. And very often they say things like anybody else would have done the same thing or it wasn't that special. And we see it as humility of some kind. But I think sometimes it's a true fact. They didn't think that they were doing they're not like this is an extraordinary moment where i save this person they were just i will step into this
1: phone booth and take off my clothes and you'll see but it's more like they saw
0: they saw somebody falling and they reached out they saw a car coming for a kid and they swooped at the kid they saw a woman being attacked and they screamed at the attacker you know I think this is the same thing in some ways, which is all of that stuff because I have these skills it's not like I you know invented them or came up with them out of the blue they're things I do every day it just felt like rushing to get this list done and it was very adrenaline filled for me and very like focused I guess I have uh I can see how it's creativity I can intellectually understand that that's creativity but I think of cr- being creative as something that feels sort of relaxing and good and like fun. This, this you know, I'm just going to not feel good. Let me ask you now
1: that it's done mm-hmm. and the exhibit is up. Yeah. Now do you feel it was create a creative moment for you? Yes. Like, I mean, in a creative moment, does it have to be that you're all the time saying, Oh golly, I feel so creative. Maybe it's afterward that you realize what what is creativity,
0: but sort of problem solving. Absolutely. Creativity is problem solving and I can recognize it as, as, like I said, intellectually, I can look at it and say, yes, that was a creative moment. I was creative all day, coming up with new ideas, generating things. But if you ask me how it felt, it felt like a crazy panicked run in which I was just sprinting to keep ahead of the to-do list.
1: And then I think
0: the issue here is that you feel that creativity
1: should somehow be a restful thing. You sit there and creativity flower blossoms out of your head. That is not what I feel at all. That That is not even
0: close to what I feel. That is a complete and total that I was going to say a word that I shouldn't say. But yes.
1: I don't think that I was
0: impressed. Thank and you. I saw it as creative. Well, at the, and again, like, I think it is creative. I absolutely am on the same page with you as saying, like, I see that as creative. But it's not what in my head, if you said to me, oh, what was the last really creative day you had? I would probably pick a day that I had spent doing something like painting or even just brainstorming a new class or something like that. I don't know that that would have been a day that I would pick, but I do see it. Okay. I don't, I never want to sit with a flower pot on my head either. When
1: you're, a and you're operating on somebody and you have certain expectations of what you're going to find when you open them up and then it's different. And right. you're, you've got a time. Uh, a clock is running and you find a way to resolve
0: it that you hadn't
1: originally planned on. Mm-hmm.
0: You don't see that as creative? I 100% see that as creative. And I would guess that all of those surgeons have an adrenaline rush from that kind of experience. Just depends how you like to work. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation we could have about what is creativity. Exactly. Uh, so let's talk about what I think makes a good exhibit if I have a little bit of planning time. So my first bullet point, I have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I have nine bullet points here. Um, So the first bullet point is it's good for you and it's good for the venue. So that's kind of like any business relationship. And what that means is you both get what you want out of it. What this requires is you knowing what you want out of it. So if you have an exhibit somewhere, and what you want is to become to become world famous and it's a not well-traveled venue, that's probably not going to happen. So it's probably not a good fit. This is the old, like, it an exhibit isn't better than no exhibit sometimes because it's a lot of work. So really think about what is it that you want. If you want gallery representation and you're having an exhibit where you have one piece, but it's in a gallery, that's more towards your goal than let's say an exhibit at a, the library, like I have, that has all your work, because you know you have to consider what it is that you want. Okay, number two, it's authentic to you. So I was telling Mom about this actually on the day that we loaded in, which is so Andy J. Pizza, who does the Creative Pep Talk podcast, said something that has really stayed with me, which is he said things should be true, not new. And what that means is that they should, they, that things that resonate with people, people are always impressed by things that are new, right? Oh, innovative, so interesting, so new. But people connect the things that are authentic, things that are true to you. And so if you want sort of longevity in your art, at least this is the way I took it, you really wanna think about presenting work that's very authentically you. And that is something I thought about when I was putting the exhibit together. It's like, are these my showiest pieces Or are these the pieces that speak to sort of where I am right now in my artwork at this moment, both books and um, hanging, you know, 2D artwork. And that's what I went with is the stuff that I personally felt like I love and want to have hanging in my house. In fact, two of the paintings from the exhibit, I took off my living room wall. Uh, then I think a cohesive and well-defined theme or concept helps to create a narrative or connection between the artworks. It gives the exhibit a sense of purpose and coherence. And that was the long brainstorming session that I had with mom where I was like, what connects these books with this work? What, it can't just be that I'm the artist. It can't just be, there has to be like a big thought. And the problem was we were doing it the wrong way. I think normally what you want to do is think about what the concept is and then either make the work that goes with the concept or pick the work that goes with the concept. And we went the wrong way, which is here's the artwork. What's the concept? And that's a lot harder to do. It's a lot harder to do that and have it be authentic instead of just a whole bunch of intellectual, you know, BS. Um, Okay. Next four is thoughtful presentation. So that's proper lighting, proper framing, spacing, all that stuff. Um, Organizing the artwork in a way that enhances the overall viewing experience, you know, a consideration of flow, creating a visual or conceptual dialogue between pieces. And we actually did this quite a bit, even from, um, we ended up arranging the exhibition cards. So they were like up, down, up, down, and it created a better flow across the pieces instead of them seeming very blocky and then we actually arranged I would say all the pieces in pairs to a certain extent meant to be viewed together. Well also we thought about
1: when you come into the library and you first see that there's an exhibit in the gallery does it draw you in? By the way, it's arranged because you can already sort of feel the energy from the paintings and so on. It's hard to feel the energy from what's in the glass case because, A, it's behind glass and, B, it's small stuff with smaller cards. So this was a very interesting situation because this is not a place where people have come to see the art. It's a place where they've come for the library books. So. You have to tempt people in.
0: Which is why I originally chose to put books in the case, because I thought that people who came to the library would be interested in books. Um, anyway, so yes, so we thought about because you see three of the panel, the panels are kind of in a zigzag in the gallery along the wall. And so you see three of the panels as you enter, right? As you're standing at the reference desk, because they're the ones that are in the, you know, zig or the zag, I'm not sure which it is, that's facing you. Um, and so we really thought about what are the really bright eye-catching works and how do they work together because you're going to see one, two, three, and then their partner pieces are kind of on the insides of the Zags. I'm just going right. to decide that's the way it goes. Um, so the next bullet point I have is number five, which is variety can make an exhibit more interesting and appealing to a broader audience audience. Diversity in artistic expression adds richness to the overall experience, and I did this really well by accident. So (laughs) I I do think that the, I was really worried, but you and I talked about this looking at the exhibit, which is the books do connect to and inform the artworks that's on the walls, and you do appreciate the arc on the walls more fully because of the books and then the you know it sort of goes back and forth like you see the connection and I actually think a lot of exhibits that I've been to lately it's very much that something that people do to put work in context where they're either providing sketchbooks that's as you know to go along with the paintings or we saw a Cy Twombly exhibit recently where there was sculpture which is not something Cy Twombly is known for or has done a lot about it or has done a lot with, you know, but you saw some of his sculpture in, in with his paintings that created interesting variety and in texture. There is an exhibit at a little gallery near me right now that has um, sort of sketchbooks and then the finished work from artists. There's, I think it's, it's important to making the exhibit um, just fuller, fleshier to have Things that are different. The same way that when you make your artwork, you want to have variety within your work and not have everything be so same, same, same. Um, Okay, obvious, but I'm just going to say it, is the quality of the artwork is fundamental, which of course was the other problem we ran into. Because I was like, we we ended up pulling six large canvases for this. And I was like, what do I have that's good? Pardon me, because I have a lot of stuff. Like how much stuff do I have that's like really, really good? You know what I mean? Especially because I've been selling a lot of work and it is unsurprising that some of the best work goes fast. And so a lot of what I still have at home sort of in my stores is either very old work or work that's not as good because all of, almost all of my favorite pieces have been bought.
1: But actually what you ended up putting up was actually some of your newest work.
0: Yes. So that was what ended up happening because I've been selling all this stuff. What ended up happening is I think all the work, so all the work is from 2023, and I think everything is is uh September 2023 or later. It was all very, made in very the fall, recent
1: October it hasn't November, had a to
0: get out. It hasn't had a chance yeah. to get out in the world yet. Exactly. It hasn't had a chance to get out in the world. This is its first voyage. In fact, I would say at least three of the Paintings I've never shown on social media or anything like that because they're that new. I just haven't had a chance to get all that together. So that's pretty exciting to have so much new work out there. Right. Um. Sorry, were you going to say something, or am I just imagining? No, it? but I mean, uh, several of them I had
1: not seen in person, only in text photos. Late night you photos sent, sent from my yeah, studio. Exactly. Ten o'clock um, at night, you send me a photo. What do you
0: think of this? the worst open-ended question that anyone can ask. Right. Uh, So then I started thinking about, when I was making this list, about things that I've seen at museums and exhibits, at galleries. So museums often try to provide opportunities for the audience to engage with the art, such as interactive installations, artist talks, guided tours. You know, they like you to fill out little comment cards at the end. Like museums are looking for visitors to interact with it in some way, right? Um, And so I obviously don't have a huge luxury being able to do that in a big way. But I put out a guest book with a mom was very concerned that my pen is going to get stolen. So I punched a hole in the book, put a like rivet in it or a, 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 you know, a thing and um, uh, tied a string and then duct taped the string to the pen So if nobody has stolen my pen or my notebook, there is a guest book there that I'm hoping people can fill out. You know, there's a little note saying, please leave your impressions, you know, about what you see, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So educational components. This is another thing that a lot of galleries and museums do, too, because you're always I think the goal of an exhibit is to make people feel connected to the art in some way. So you want to find Um, a way to potentially get them to either understand the history, to understand the artist, any way that you can get people to feel connected to artwork is good. So um, there's often um, exhibition guides. I mean, even wall labels, I think are important because they're all about trying to provide context and helping people better understand what's going on. So I'm actually teaching a little class in association with the exhibit, it's a, it's an artist book class, because I thought it was just an exhibit about books. And this is something, again, I just decided to do on my own. And here is what it's based on. So my goal for the exhibit originally, and I guess still, but with the books was to have an audience other than my own, get to know me, right. And so I thought, well, if I teach a class That's a great opportunity to get into the library's newsletter and to, you know, potentially meet some people in person that I don't know, et cetera, et cetera. So I haven't really posted anything about it on my own social media or anything like that because I really want this sort of new people, so to speak. Um, And so that is both an educational component because I'm teaching them how to make a simple book and how to do this, this little painted paper project. Um, And I'm also doing, getting for myself what I need out of it. And then finally, and related to this, uh, uh, is if a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? Uh, and what I just mean by this is there needs to be some kind of effective promotion in the exhibit. If you do this exhibit and you never talk about it and no one sees it, like, what's the point of it? And that's part of the reason that the web page went up, not only because I'm trying to convert in-person people to coming to the web page so that I can convert them potentially over to the newsletter or a social follow or whatever that is or listen to the podcast, etc., cetera, but also because I wanted there to be some way that this exhibit wasn't just a moment, but could live in permanence in some way. So by having the web page up, it means that I can then always have everything that I wrote about the exhibit now has a place to live instead of just disappearing into the ether. All
1: of the hmm? are you going to attach this podcast to the webpage?
0: Yeah, I think that would be totally fun. So I'll put the it would be podcast fun. at the bottom of the webpage too, you know, so that it becomes a full experience. So even if you were to stumble across this page five years from now, you would get the full experience in some ways of the exhibit without ever having been to the exhibit. Cause I'm sure at some point I'll go back, I'll take a little video of the exhibit, you know, do all those things. So I think that it becomes the time capsule. It becomes the way of holding on to this ephemeral experience. I mean, why do people have a video of their wedding? Because they want to be able to hold that moment, right? And so the web page is a way of me holding this moment. So we'll see if it works or not. Do you have any thoughts on the uh,
1: good exhibit? Well, I, I actually think you should talk about how some of these works because they were so new did not have titles and you created very i think very creative titles to go with each painting all of the artworks had titles They I did didn't make them not. up that day really well i think yeah. it, it's uh uh fun the kind of titles you came up with and maybe and especially since these
0: are abstract mm-hmm. artworks it's not obvious from well let's talk philosophically about titling artwork which also could be an entire podcast i mean the basic the basic philosophy that i go by is it it should be something that makes you think of that painting you the artist right and so there are two okay so you know for people who are watching the video version of this, I'll show some of the artworks. For those who are listening to this, I will um, put the artworks on, I'll put a link to the site or uh, so that you can see them. Okay. So uh, there's one piece, which is an abstract with these two shapes on it. And I called it Moonlight Stags because the first thing that happened when I texted this photo to anybody that I knew is they immediately said, oh, I see antlers. So it was interesting because I definitely saw a moon in it the whole time. So I sort of, I started thinking about it as stags and then I was using this warm sort of butter yellow color in it and then it became about moonlight and then there's a sort of companion piece of it that's done in a similar style. Um, and that one is named Leaving Long Island. And the reason that it's named that has nothing to do with what it looks like for this one, but it's more of an uh, origin story. So both of these pieces were created, I think I started them in 20, oh, actually, I put it on the webpage, didn't I? I was smart enough to do that. Yeah. These first artworks were both started in May of 2015 and finished in December of 2023. Uh, So I started that painting in a class that I took in 2015 on Long Island in somebody's mansion. And I got, it was a bad experience for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, I got super duper sick. Like I had to go to the emergency room. I was so sick. And then two, I didn't understand anything that was happening in class at all. It was an intuitive painting class. And I was just like, what is going on? I don't know. I'm just doing stuff for the sake of doing it without any thought, without any reason, without any anything. And at the end of the workshop, I had three paintings that I hated the one I hated the least is the one that became Leaving Long Island. And it basically, it looked like a background. It was kind of like a bunch of colors, you know, but it was the one that was sort of the least offensive. And I remember just thinking as I as I was leaving Long Island, that there wasn't anything from the class that I was going to be able to take with me and how disappointed I was that I'd spent all this money and time doing this. So that's where Leaving Long Island came from. Um, the next up, the next two pieces, the titles are both based on haikus. So I wrote haikus for these paintings, which are both about taking walks with my then three year old son along the Charles River. And they're kind of a combination of maps and um some of you know, sort of like the feelings and experiences and the shapes that we saw. And um Somebody suggested to me because I was like, I don't know, if this haiku directs the the uh, viewer too much. Like, it doesn't tell you too much about the piece. Is it? Do you have to have the story of the haiku then with it? And somebody said, Why don't you just take one line from each haiku and use it as a title? And I was like, Oh, that's a great idea. So I did that, um, and it's not quite. I think before I was ready was one line before I was ready. No, that's only six syllables. And no, they're both, they're both, let's say, um, slightly mushed around versions of one line of the haiku. But they're, uh, they're both, I think, I can think of the haiku immediately when I see them. And I also think about my time with my son when I look at them too, which is really nice. Tell the listener what the titles are. Oh, sorry. So one title is Before I Was Ready, and the other one is No Stroller. And trust me when I say these were both uh, about hot and sweaty walks with a child who wanted to be carried the whole time. Anyway, so then uh, there's a pair of works called Harborview and Verdure. And those titles came out of, so these two pieces were made from a much larger piece. And I felt that the larger piece had gotten super overworked. And so out of frustration, I just decided to cut it up. And I ended up cutting out two pieces, and then I remade the pieces. And they had also been from uh, this sort of Charles River series. I was interested in this aerial view of the river, which is the sort of, there's a large dark mass that runs through uh, the paintings. And I was also thinking about all the shapes that you see um, as I wrote about them. Um, Balser began her artwork by studying an aerial, aerial view of the area around her home. She extrapolated shapes and relationships that interested her and created an enormous fantastical map. At some point, the larger piece felt overworked to her, so she cut up the canvas to keep the parts she loved. Balzer then continued to work on those map fragments, transforming them into the mixed media paintings you see here. And that's exactly what happened. It's a nicer way of saying what I was stumbling through, which is that, These are, one is a harbor view, and it very clearly feels like a harbor view to me. And the other is of a green space. And when I think of green, I think of verdant, I think of verdure, you know, all these kind of like fancy words for green, which is basically all I was thinking about. So I think, again, like titles are meant to provide some reference for you, the artist, And some entry point, potentially, for the viewer. I think it's attempting to fully explain things. Portrait of a woman with a child. Uh, But it's also tempting not to explain anything at all. Untitled, 474. Uh, And so I, I try to hit something in the middle, which is what was I thinking about when I was making this or what's important to me about it? Or when I, somebody says to me, Oh, I really like that painting of yours, Moonlight Stags. I can immediately think in my mind, I know exactly what painting you're thinking about. Whereas if I had named it something weird, Jelly Bean Festival, I'd be like, what, what Jelly Bean Festival, What painting is that? You know, which is tempting to do that sometimes because I think, um, they said, like, when you put together intriguing combinations of words, viewers get very interested in the work. But I think that goes back to the authenticity question about it's disingenuous when the title isn't really based in anything that's from the process of the work, the outcome of the work, That it's when it's not just based in the work in some way. So, was that what you wanted, Mom? Yes. Good. I'm glad. Thank you. So uh, if you're interested in seeing the exhibit, it closes on February 28th. It is at the Watertown Public Library that's in Watertown, Mass., in the T. Ross Kelly Gallery. Uh, and I hope you'll check it out. If you can't check out the exhibit in person, I invite you to check out the website. That'll obviously be up in perpetuity. Uh, You can also check out monthly membership at balzersigns.com. Membership offers a diverse array of classes, tutorials, vlogs, and art inspiration. Don't forget about practical color for painters. Um, And you can find me at juliebalzer.com. All over social media as Balter Designs. Mostly, I hope you will sign up for the weekly newsletter. That's uh, where I, now that I'm not blogging, is where I'm blah, blah, blahing all of my thoughts That's beyond, that are beyond this podcast. Um, And it's it's also the best way to make sure you keep up with the latest news. So there's a big button on the homepage of juliebalzer.com where you can do that. Or you can go to the show page for this podcast to find the link. And if you'd like to help the show, because you're such a nice person and I love you, you can leave a review. You can mention us on social media. You can tell a friend about it. You can forward the podcast to somebody. Just all of the things that help other people find the show. We really appreciate it. So thank you. Um, So thank you so much for listening and subscribing. Mom and I will see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. So, I have a really quick coda to add in to this podcast. So, we are recording the podcast usually about like three weeks before they actually go out. And um, I was just told that the uh, paintings in the exhibit have to come down at the end of January. So, unfortunately, if you were hoping to see the exhibit, if you're local, the paintings are going to be gone. The uh, books will still be in the case and stuff. Uh, but, yeah pretty disorganized, right? Anyway, just a little update and thanks so much for listening or for watching on YouTube.